I understand you really want to help people. I do too. That does not mean you should not be paid for your expertise. So sometimes that becomes, you know, the reason to have a side hustle. There's all these potential things that I think we as academics were never really told we could do. You're at the mercy of the university. And whenever we schedule you, that's when you should be happy. And if we give you four classes, you should be happy. And if we give you six, you should still be happy. And we don't care if it's killing you to prep all six. Here we are gathered around to talk with Ashley Hampton, Dr. Ashley Hampton. And this conversation is super fun because I met Ashley actually at an event at like a couple other guests. And it was at this first event that I came out and said I had this podcast. So Dr. Ashley Hampton uh, has a really interesting background uh, where she's getting a PhD, uh, goes into kind of you know, follows that route of becoming a professor or thinking she was going to become a professor, but then ends up working in a prison um, and falls in love with that. Um, and from there, her, her story is is interesting because she makes a couple of decisions along the path, along that path, but she's like other psychologists. So she has a PhD in psychology. She's like other psychologists where she came on and started a private practice, essentially. And where she is now is building an online presence and coaching practice because she actually wants to stay where she lives. There's a little bit of a, you know, what you might say a brain drain happening in Alabama. And so she doesn't actually want to leave where she lives. And so this idea of starting an online business and being able to help more people because she could, you know, reach more people through online, the online space is what drove her to start um, a counseling practice, but then start it and move it online. So she's running this counseling practice while growing an audience online. And so we're going to chat with her about that today. Okay, so welcome, Ashley Hampton. I am so excited to chat with you. We just met at an event. How long has it been now? A couple weeks? Three uh, weeks, maybe? Four? Yeah, I think it's been about a month. Yeah. Yeah. So Ashley and I were at an event together, and I gave my little spiel about how I'm a podcast host on Academics Mean Business, and we connected You know, at one point during that event, and I was like, you have to come on. And so she is here to share her story with you guys. And I'm just really excited to have her. I appreciate the invite. I'm excited to be here. It's not often that I get to talk with people that have similar backgrounds as I do. So that's, it's really cool. Yay. Yeah. And that's, that's why this podcast exists. <laughs> I am enjoying talking with everybody and from all their different backgrounds. So let's, uh, let's start with your academic background, what that uh, rundown of your CV might look like, what you studied. Um, and you can go back as far as you want. Um, as you as you think it relates to your story. But tell us a little bit about what you studied. Okay. So I started with a bachelor's of science, obviously in psychology um, at UAB in Birmingham, Alabama. And I did the honors psychology program at UAB. And at the oh, cool. end, yeah, it was really fun. I turns out I'm kind of a research stats nerd. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so I really enjoyed that. And at the end, I thought, okay, well, I think I want to apply to the PhD program and, you know, just keep going. Well, UAB is a competitive program. And at that point, instead of educating me on the other programs that were out there because there's a whole country full of them. They just said, uh, you can't go to the program here. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't. Yeah. And I get it now, you know, looking back, they accepted people from all over the country and they wanted people that weren't educated there as a bachelor, you know, at the bachelor's level. Um, and so it makes sense now. I didn't understand it at all then. So I took it kind of personally, I was like, okay, well, maybe psychology is not for me. I'm going to go into counseling because I knew I could talk to people and work with people and I wanted to help people. You know, that's like the everybody's mission in psychology yeah. to help people. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go into counseling. So I went to a master's program at the University of Montevallo, which is a small town south of Birmingham and got a master's in marriage and family therapy 
which I did not do for one day (laughs) um, (laughs) before I accepted a job as a school counselor. Ah, so still in the marriage and family kind of arena in terms of, you know, dealing with the whole family system. And I did that for three years until I realized that our local system is um, the local system every year. If you're not tenured, gives you a pink slip at the end of the year. So every year. Yeah. Every year I was essentially fired. And didn't know if I was going to get my job back. Which so is terrible. It is. It is. It's <laughs> yeah. really it's really demeaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that last year that I went back, I was really unhappy. I was working 60 hours a week at a high school, basically planning all of their testing. Oh, and wow. that was pretty much what I was doing. But I was still responsible for all of these students. And they were wonderful. But everything else sucked. So <laughs> um, my dad said, well, why don't you go back? You said you wanted to be a doctor. Why don't you go back to school? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not really sure. I don't know if I could do it. At that point I was 27 and I was like, I don't know that I really want (laughs) to quit my, the best job I had ever had in terms of pay and go back and be a broke college student. And so he said, why don't you just try? Like, why don't you see what's out there? Well, things kind of had, came to a head at Christmas break in the school, (laughs) in the school counseling job. And, uh, I found another job as an academic advisor back at my alma mater. Yeah. Uh In the psychology department, which was really funny. Um, kind of a, you know, complete 360. And, um, I applied for graduate schools and I applied for five programs, which everyone that I talked to was like, you're crazy only applying for Mm. five. Like you're not going to get in. Mm. Uh, just so happened I did, which is great. Yes. Um, and I actually got into two, uh, and one just was not the best fit and one was an amazing fit. So I went to the university of Memphis and I got my PhD in counseling psychology. And before I left, um, when I was an academic advisor at UAB, I got into adjunct teaching. Mm -hmm. They needed an intro, uh, 101 psych professor at this little like for-profit school, uh, literally two miles down the road from UAB. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So they called the department was like, Hey, do you have anybody? Well, my supervisor knew that I was kind of interested in learning more about teaching. And so he recommended me. So I went and did it and it was amazing. Mm. I loved it. It was adult students. They got kind of the site concepts, the real life thing. We could have great conversations about how things in psychology actually applied to real life. Mm. And so it made the course less like a textbook and more like an actual, let me apply it to how this is really beneficial. So that was kind of when I got bit by the, the teaching bug. (laughs) And then when I went to grad school, the first year you basically don't do anything. You just do classes and yeah. hope you survive. And yep. then, you know, it was like, maybe yeah. you'll survive. See if survive you can hang. See if oh, you can I know. It, yes. The first year was horrible. Um, mm-hmm. The second year, the uh, they kind of knew that I wanted to check out being a professor. You know, I, that was one of the things I was like, I think maybe I want to do a tenure track professor job after this. I was really into research. I was taking like all the stats classes I could possibly take. And, you know, so they were like, okay, well, let's give you, um, an assistantship teaching. So I got that and I taught. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Instead of having to do, you know, like really crappy ones that some of my classmates had, um, I taught three sections of developmental psych to nursing students. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it was totally different from what I had taught before. Um, mm-hmm. But it was interesting. You know, some of them were interested, some of them weren't. So that was kind sure. of the first foray into something like that. But, um, mm-hmm. and then at night, I adjunct taught for the university. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, a couple of different classes. So with the assistantship, this is while you're mm-hmm. getting your PhD. So yes. was it kind of like, oh, interesting. So it mm-hmm. was like a line of... Um, a level of pay through your yes. institution. Wow. Oh, okay. I don't. 
I'm not really sure anybody else would consider it pay. <laughs> yeah. So it was almost like, oh, like a TA position, yes. like teacher's yes. assistant. Got yes. it. So you named yes. it assistantship. And I was like thinking in my head, it sounded like assistant professor, but I knew it obviously wasn't the same. Okay. Got it. Right. So you got yeah. a three section TA load yes. um, while you were teaching. Yes. And usually it's the worst kind of pay possible. Um, oh yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. It doesn't cover any sort of cost no. of the education itself and no. like, but you're required to be a doctor student it's terrible yes yeah okay got um, it just, yeah. I just wanted to clear that up exactly so it was those three sections um and then at night I'd go to this um campus about 20 minutes away and then teach I taught two of those sections one you know one first and then the second one after that um got it in counseling and I loved it mm. I loved the adult students, you know, they were motivated to learn for the most part. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they had interesting examples. They would ask questions. Whereas the students that I had during the day were yeah, just the night there. Students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were just there to get mm-hmm. a check mark and it wasn't really interesting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, well, maybe that's where I want to go when I get done with this. Maybe I don't want, you know, like a traditional university. Maybe I want to do something else and then focus on, you know, just adult learners. Because I liked that. I liked having, you know, an actual adult conversation. (laughs) So uh, fast forward. Well, also in that same year, um, I did part of my practicum experience at the federal prison. Ah, Uh, uh And... That far surpassed my love for teaching. Um, Wow. Yeah. So I really enjoyed working there in the psychology department. And I thought, okay, well, this is probably what I want to do for internship because the PhD program in psychology, you have your coursework, then you have a mandatory one-year internship that you go through the match process for. So it has, yeah, it has to be like a VA or, you know, like a prison system or some kind of agency. So it couldn't be teaching. So I had to find Ah, something that I wanted to do that could give me the experience I needed to kind of round out what I had learned. So I was like, okay, well, I really want to go to internship in the prison system. So I did. Um, I matched at a prison in North Carolina and at the same time, which I wasn't technically supposed to do. So nobody will hear this. Maybe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I also accepted an adjunct faculty position at a college Ah, at night. Like near there. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the prison was outside of Raleigh and I accepted the teaching position um, in Raleigh at a small college. And... I, again, taught adult learners that were motivated in their night program, human studies. So everything from, you know, like counseling, ethics, statistics, that kind of stuff. So I totally fell in love with that and then realized that um, if I was going to promote in the prison system, I wouldn't always be able to be in the same place Mm. in order to keep a teaching position. A job, yeah. So, um, I kind of just threw everything into the basket when I was getting ready to graduate and I applied for a ton of things, both in the prison system and outside. And I was just like, you know what, I'll just see what comes through and whatever comes through that feels good. That's what I'll do. Um, and nothing came through. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I know, right? Um, I did try for some like pretty out there teaching Mm. positions. You know, I I applied for my dream positions everywhere. Sure. Knowing that's that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. And it was, let's see. So that was 2011. So we were coming out of everything kind of being bad, the housing crisis, all of that. And so it was, yeah. And getting a teaching job around that time was very difficult. Anything past 2009. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, you know, okay, that may not work. So, um, in the meantime, I had applied for some online work, online adjunct positions at for-profit universities, which Ah, we could have conversations about that in a totally different podcast. um, (laughs) It was really like at that point I needed to pay the bills. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I can use this to pay the bills. I'll get more experience. I'll get more, you know, training and working with adult learners. I'll learn some online technology, which I didn't previously have on my resume, you know? So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this could be beneficial. So I did that. Um, 
Well, I did that for two and a half years before I finally stopped. And the only reason I stopped is because, well, okay, let me see if I can say this short. Um, I actually got a job at a secure medical facility, um, Hmm. working as a forensic psychologist and stayed there for about a year and then went back to the prison system. Uh, And my dream location, which was back where I was for internship. And um, I went in in the substance abuse program, which was not a psychologist position with the promise from them that within six months I would have a psychologist position at the complex. That didn't happen. But in the meantime, um, I went to the academy. Um, well, that's, you know, like every law enforcement has the academy and I got hurt. So, um, literally seven seconds in this entire story changed my life. And I got hurt at the academy, ended up, couldn't rehab my knee, needed surgery and never was cleared by the doctor to go back into the prison system. So, um, yeah, it was like totally kind of upended my world. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll go back to teaching, you know, like I was still doing the online thing. So I was like, okay, I still, you know, I have some contacts. I still have this. This is really probably like the longest job I'd ever had at that point. (laughs) Um, you know, working with those universities and I had like, quote unquote, graduated up to working with PhD level students and being on dissertation committees. So I was getting all of that mm-hmm. experience. And um, I looked at what I wanted for my life. And I talked to some professors that I had and asked some very basic questions about salary and time and courses and how much that happens. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? No, this is not going to work for me. So I opened my own practice. And um, about six months into having my own practice, I stopped teaching completely. That was about the same time that Argosy and everyone was getting in trouble. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to go because that's, I don't want to be in the middle of it. And you know, for personal reasons, I wasn't going to complain about them getting in trouble. Um, so, um, that was kind of the end and I miss it. I miss the connection Mm. when the light bulb goes on for students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it's kind of been a back and forth for me, but the teaching portion and helping people understand things kind of comes in the background of everything that I do now anyway. It's true. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit about since we met at we actually met at a publicity. It's it was actually an event that was focused on publicity and PR um, for businesses. So let's talk a little bit about how you went from Um, you know, you still run your current practice, correct? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. So what are you doing as far as online and starting a business that's potentially, that isn't like an in-person local, um, practice? So I decided after I gave away a lot of free help, um, Mm. that I was going to help other people, other women business owners, do what I've done and, Mm. you know, kind of transition into a business that was successful and allowed them to do what they wanted to do either with their time or their family or traveling. And I had helped all of these people along the way, just kind of refine systems and change their mindset about some things, you know, related Mm. to money or how they were selecting clients. Um, And all of that leads into obviously increasing revenue. And Uh, so I thought, well, if I can help these people for free, I think I need to start helping people on a larger scale. So actually, how did you find those people initially? So like that whole like, oh, I just started helping people. Why were you helping people for free? What part of you was like, oh, I'm good (laughs) at this and I can help? Because you skipped over that part just a a teensy bit. Well, that... So I think the people just fell into my lap. Like I, Mm. I think, so what happened with the people that I can think about, like right off the top of my head, um, you know, it would be something like this event and I would be talking to somebody and they're like, Hey, wait a minute. I know 
Jane Smith and Jane Smith is doing what you're doing, but she can't figure out how to do this, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay, well I've done that. I can tell her how I did it. And then, you know, she can see if she works for it. And this is specifically with starting a practice, like starting a, a counseling or a therapy practice. Um, not necessarily or just starting a brick and mortar business with clients and people. Um, I've like, I've talked to a lot of people, brick and mortar and uh-huh, then uh-huh. not necessarily all therapists, but Got all it. people that were typically like working with others in some manner. Um, Got so it. not selling products, but you know, okay. working with clients and then, um, it started, kind of branching into me talking to people on the phone or through email. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, hmm, this seems to be something that people need. Yeah. Yep. So I need to figure out how to expand what I'm offering so people can have this service. And so it kind of transitioned into, I'm going to, I'm launching a coaching practice. Awesome. Yeah. So working specifically with women, which is cool for me because Mm -hmm. most of my client populations in the past have been men. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's really cool for me to come into a space with strong, successful women and be able to help them become more successful. And so then they can help more people. They can have, you know, the life that they want. Um, And that's been very cool to see people, you know, really realizing like, okay, well, it doesn't have to be as hard as I'm making it. I can make it much more simple. And then I have those hours to either spend with clients or to do something else. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. But it all comes back to teaching. It all, it does, right? The mm-hmm. light bulb moments, like we can really get in one-on-one work. And in fact, they can be, you know, rewarding in just a different way. Um, but uh, yes, I think it's a similar feeling, um, a similar, like the rewards can be similar um, in, in this space. Very cool. Um, so I guess I'd like to hear a little bit about... Um, maybe some of the challenges you've had, like, you know, making this kind of transition. And I don't know if you're planning on like having your therapy practice forever, or if it is a goal to shut it down, but like, maybe not, but like making this transition to this online space and running, um, a a more online business and, and really getting this coaching thing off the ground. Um, what are some of the challenges you're facing around that? That is different than, um, kind of running your brick and mortar practice. That is a good question. And one that I was just talking about um, yesterday with somebody, uh, a a new potential client. And she is contemplating what I am, which is closing my brick and mortar business and going strictly online in order to help more people rather than sit across from someone one-on-one all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because really the goal is to help more people. And that's the goal for most mental health professionals that, you know, they'll tell you. Um, So the idea is that you expand your, your base. Um, The only problem is with my practice, because there are so few psychologists where I live, I never had to market anything for my practice. So I never had to, you know, put my name out there. It was just once people figured out I was here, which took not very long at all. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just client city, which was great. Yeah. Uh, but now it's, I'm an unknown. And so in yeah. the online space, I have to start from scratch, uh, where, you know, in my practice, you know, I'm four, four plus years in and I don't have to worry about clients. Now I have to start from building a platform, which is why I was at that event when I met you Um, and, you know, talking about like media coverage and how and where you find clients and Mm -hmm. what kind of clients you want and how do you attract those people? Where do you find them? Uh, Because, you know, some forms of marketing just aren't going to reach the client base that I want. So Mm -hmm. uh, right now, that's the biggest challenge is getting my name out there and finding the people that I want to work with. So for me, it won't be where I'll close the business and then go strictly online. Um, I'll transition into that. You'll do a transition. Yeah, Yeah. that's smart. And uh, yeah, I do want to kind of 
um, say too, like, I think what's cool, you know, having obviously a, a bunch of clients, you can kind of, you know, start saving money and start cutting back your hours because right. you control how many clients you take, you know, so exactly. to speak. Um, and so you can kind of decide and that make that process easy. And I, I would say too, like for the academic listening who maybe, maybe you are teaching, um, you know, we do have that lovely, amazing summer that everyone's so jealous <laughs> about. Right. And that's right. a really great time to, um, you know, start taking some courses around building a business or start, you know, um, you know, creating a, a product or a package that you can start selling. And there's lots of, um, ways that the transition can be. It's not like you have to burn all the bridges right away. Um, you, you can make that transition. Um, and I always felt too, like I kind of burned my bridge <laughs> a little bit in that, I've done that too. I kind of, yeah, like I kind of was like, well, once I had this idea that I was going to leave, it was like, you can't not like it needed to happen sooner rather than later. Right. Um, but you know, we made it work as I've talked a lot about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I do think like, you know, especially because we're so highly trained or educated, however you want to look at it. And we have these degrees, you know, my degree isn't going to disappear. Like, right. yes, in, in so many respects, you know, I'm, I'm not ever going to be able to get a research one institution kind of job, but like community college, you know, me backing out of teaching for a little while, um, you know, maybe it could look bad on my resume, but like, I also was a really fantastic teacher. And so I know that I will be able to work again and I might have to adjunct for a little while. So this idea that like, it's such a crazy gamble didn't really feel so much like that for me. And so that transition, um, you know, I just decided to do it a little bit quicker, um, sold everything and, and that kind of thing to kind of finance it. But, mm -hmm. um, I do like the idea that, you know, um, I do think people with academic degrees tend to have, and I put that in air quotes or whatever with a disclaimer, but tend to have some more autonomy than some of the other professions out there. Um, as far as like what their schedule looks like. And then for you having a practice, like you're a lot more in control of your clients. Um, as a professor, I didn't have, I wasn't working a nine to five, jo nine to five job, right? I was right. able to leverage that online, teaching online and stuff like that. So I just wanted to highlight that as, um, you know, for people listening about making that smart transition and doing it confidently and safely and, um, building that online presence does take some time. It, it, it does. And, um, but what I love, and maybe you can speak a little to this, Ashley, mm -hmm. um, is about how, you know, we do stand out with our background and with Absolutely. our education. And so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are around, you know, the, the characteristics or the skill set that you basically built for yourself over the years that have really benefited you starting this online business. What about being an academic and going through grad school and, you know, counseling in the prison system? I mean, there must be so much that you're taking, uh, to, to your online business. Yeah, I think, um, there, there is a lot, there is, so much uh, from teaching, especially, but I want to say, yeah, I didn't even highlight that part, yeah, right? Like I mean, actually yeah. teaching in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And having to deal with the way that, you know, the politics are and yeah. those kinds of things. So there's tons of that, but I want to touch on something that you said um, hmm. for the people that are listening. I quit the prison job, literally um, gave them essentially a week and a half notice wow, and a middle finger and said, I'm done. <laughs> um, mm, that was mm -hmm. not the way to do it. I do not yeah. recommend anybody does it that way. So yep, that yep. was, yeah, that was the importance of setting this up and being able to transition because yeah. the, I mean, everybody says, you know, like, don't say this, but the reality is it may not work. And I not. love yeah. my practice. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with my practice. Mm. I just want to be able to reach more people. So, mm. you know, and I may decide I want both and that's mm -hmm. totally mm -hmm. fine. Um, yeah. So I never recommend Good what point. I did yeah. the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, never, ever. Uh, I mean, it was a necessity for me because yeah. of, you know, what I was being told, but um, I don't ever recommend anybody doing it. Okay. So characteristics. Uh, yeah. You know, here is how I feel about being a professor, being an academic, being, you know, and even if you're an adjunct, 
Mm-hmm. The skill set that you have to have in order to be flexible every quarter, you're changing your schedule. Um, every quarter, you know, you may or may not have the same department head because some of the places I had, I mean, they changed like literally every couple months. Um, <laughs> so the rules may or may not change. Uh, the president of the university may or may not change. You know, so like all of the flexibility that goes into just basically being able to roll as mm, uh you yeah, know that's as a, a professor one. in academics mm-hmm. that's to me one of the key things that you have to do in business mm. because you never know what's going to happen and you may plan for things to work you know like 100% and then like my week this week I've had three emergencies already and it's oh, only wow. Tuesday so yeah. um you know it's then the schedule everything gets flipped but i think i learned that the most in graduate school and being able to teach because you never know what students are going to do. You never know what the other faculty members are going to do. So, (laughs) or what, yeah. Or what's going to come down from the state or budgets. I mean, so much is out of your control. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, I think that was the biggest thing. And, you know, it's something that I worked on because, I don't know if you guys were the same way. I'm just betting that you probably were based on us being in social sciences. Sure. Um, but we were always taught your reward is helping people. Is your helping reward people. is not your yeah. paycheck. Your students. Yep. 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 Yeah. And you should not really worry about that money. You know, mm-hmm. like you should just get enough to get by. And yep. it's like, well, why did I really bust my butt in mm. order to do this? And why did I go for days where sometimes I only ate one meal right. in order to get this degree? And you're telling me that I'm not worth it now mm. because that's how it played in my head. Yep. You know, yep. like, yep. You really worked this hard. You sacrificed all of this stuff. You basically ate, breathed, and slept psychology for four years. Yep. And But now we don't really think you're worth making any more money than you were before you came to graduate school. Mm. And, you know, that was a really hard pill for me to swallow later on. Mm. I accepted it then because I was right? like, oh, because this that is really was what I want to do. Yep. You know? yep. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, well, okay. Well, then... Um, prison internships pay very well. <laughs> oh, nice. Very well. Yes. And like very well. So, um, in there, yeah, there's a factor there because sure. of your safety, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but the reality <laughs> Risk, yada, is, yada. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eh, whatever. Um, nobody hurt me. I hurt myself in a training right. exercise, but, um, there you, go. <laughs> you know, everybody always asks that. So it was the VA for 17 to $21,000 for the year, mm-hmm. or I could go to the prison system for 52,000 a year, which mm-hmm. was more money than I'd ever made in my life mm-hmm. and more money than some of my professors were making. Yeah. And that, um, was really to me like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, how can I, as an intern go and work and I make more money than the people who taught me how to do this. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I all the time talk to people now like, okay, I understand you really want to help people. I do too. Mm-hmm. That does not mean you should not be paid for your expertise. Boom. So exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you just should. And so mm-hmm. sometimes that becomes, you know, the reason to have a side hustle, whether it's you know, trying to get a traditional book publishing deal for an English lit professor, you know, that writes fiction or historical books or, you know, whatever, um, or, you know, something like what we're doing, you Mm -hmm. know, like building a brand and helping people in your own way or Mm -hmm. a stats professor that's working, you know, on the side to help, um, nonprofits, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's all these potential things that I think we as academics, we're never really told we could do. Nope. Yep. That's we're only that's told. Key. That's a big yeah, piece of you're that. At this, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're at the mercy of the university. And yep. whenever we schedule you, that's when you should be happy. <laughs> and if we give you four classes, you should be happy. And if we give you six, you should still be happy. Yeah. And we don't care if it's killing you to prep all six. Nope. Yeah. And we'll pay you less. We'll pay you at part. I don't even know. There's just so many like if you're over working over the yes. amount of load, it's actually even less. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and then it was I, the last opportunity I was given um, at a local community college that I actually turned down was um, 
I was living about an hour away from the community college at that point. And they were like, well, we really have these positions open at these two other campuses. And I was like, okay, well, where are you talking about? Cause I, I had known about the community college. I taught there for a quarter. <laughs> um, that was really all I could take. And, <laughs> um, that was at the end and I was just, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and they were like, well, you know, one of them is about another 45 minutes and then another one's about another 30 minutes. I said, so what you're telling me is you want me to drive 90 no, minutes no. minimum one way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to teach a two hour class. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. In what universe does that make sense? It makes no sense whatsoever. And so many people are doing that all over the country. It's crazy. Yeah. And it makes me sad. It is. It's yep. It really makes me sad because, you know, you're you and I don't mean you. I mean, the system is losing like super quality people Mm. that, you know, I would love to learn from. Yep. But they're just basically the university's pricing them right out of the game because they can't afford to do things like that. (laughs) You make zero money if you're spending it all in gas. It's just so broken. And so much of it is related to money. And that, I think that mindset seeps into us. Like I've been, you know, the, the idea of value and how much my expertise is, is worth. I mean, I still to this day struggle with that because I think I came from a place that wasn't really paying me as that, as a result, not, you know, not, I think like that's real, like it's true. And so exactly like, and that, and that's, what's an interesting thing about this podcast is I'm realizing like, man, like the ability to think, and it came up, I wrote down, you know, uh, when you were talking the false dichotomy that to be helping people, you should be self-sacrificial in some way and not be making money or something because you're taking away. Right. Like there's, there's, there's this like, you know, zero sum game, like, um, and, and it's not true. Like you, you can help people and make money. <laughs> it's just, it's like the academic priming we went through to kind of accept what we were going to get, um, you know, because we loved it, because we did it for people because it was enjoyable. I mean, I think teaching is really fun. And so it was like, oh, well, you're good then. We'll take care of you as much as possible. We'll give you like, you know, benefits and stuff, even though they're stripping that away by the day. Um, And so anyways, I I could obviously rant about this all day, but like you bringing this up, like the driving of the distance and like um, the time spent and how and how they break down the pay per section you teach per quarter or per semester. Um, it's just like not even enough to live on. And, and so what what are we right. going to do moving forward? Like, where are these people? Gonna, who's going to start to choose this line of work? I mean, I don't know that anybody is. And yeah, I remember because I, I've been doing a lot of mindset work around mm-hmm. this, you know, like, mm-hmm. what do I want to do? What do I want to do going forward? How, you know, how is this going to work for me financially? And, you know, I started thinking, I was like, where did I pick this up? And Uh, I can't exactly figure out where I picked it up. But, um, I know for sure that in my master's program, um, you know, that we were taught that you go and get a community agency counseling job and, you know, you're going to be lucky if you get forty to $50,000 mm-hmm. a year. And if you do, you've hit the jackpot. So like, don't leave because you'll never get anything better. Wow. And, you know, and I was like, okay, so I remember that. And then I remember because that's about the same number. Um, you know, the prison internship that I was telling you about was 52 a year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember being ridiculed for Mm. only choosing prison internships. And at one point, um, by one of the professors, I was called selfish and greedy because that was, that was the only thing that I was focused on. And I mean, we had had a, mm, that was like the end of a very long battle because they weren't, (laughs) (laughs) they weren't excited about the prison system to begin with. Uh, And I really loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it was, it was very non-traditional for their program. Um, you know, they had not had someone there in many, many years and they didn't like all the rules and stuff. Like they didn't appreciate the fact they couldn't just walk in and view everything. Yeah. They had to go through all these, um, rules mm-hmm. and, you know, of course they never did. So anyway, um, I remember like that moment and I was sitting in a group full, like every one of us that was applying for internship. And I remember, that 
clearly. Yep. And I was like, okay, so that came from somewhere and that's yep. not my belief. That's no. theirs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to attach that to me, but apparently in the past 10 years, I've attached that to me somehow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, so it's, it's kind of cleaning out that where somebody that has nothing to do with my life and hasn't spoken to me in years is still kind of in the back of my head and I can't keep that. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, um, I think that's one of the downfalls of the academics that I've talked sure. to is, you know, you get all of these messages and whether or not, you know, we want to or not, we kind of become like a piece of Velcro and they all get stuck because you have to play the game and you have to figure out who to listen yep. to and, yep. you know, like what tightrope you're walking, what day. And inevitably those bad messages get stuck because you have to be in the system somehow, mm. um, you know, and so... Yeah, we internalize them, right? We like do. they show up in yeah. all these different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, yep, yep. And so that's so that's kind of like the academics that I've talked to over the years. Those are the messages that we, as a group, the the ones that I've talked to, have been trying to rid ourselves of. Yep, you know, like the well, you can't do any better than mm, absolutely oh, you can't just so because that, that yeah. person speaking didn't do any better mm. doesn't mean that the student can't do any better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's like, to me, it's like this podcast, like it needs to change the conversation. And I think yep. this podcast does that very well in changing how people are viewing this, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of uncovering some of the dirty secrets that nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, like this yeah. is real, dude, it yeah. is real. Yep. And so, um, you know, I think, I had this conversation with somebody the other day and before the event that I met you at, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I've accomplished all these things and I've done, you know, I've done like almost everything that was on my checklist, you know, as I was growing up, I was like, I want to do all these things. And, you know, I got to that event and I met all of these people that were doing all of these amazing things. And I realized why I may have accomplished a whole lot compared to where I live and the people that mm. I'm around. Mm-hmm. I really haven't accomplished that much at all. Ooh, you know, and so there's like yeah. this huge place to grow. And I don't feel as if it, that was ever encouraged. Yep. Anywhere oh, I was. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, to even think what, isn't it like something like 1% of the population has a PhD or something like that? And like graduate. Yeah. Super small, super small, maybe one between one and 3%, something like that. And even just advanced graduate work isn't even that high, even adding in like master's work and to think that, but then that's it, right? There's a ceiling, there's a cap, there's a Mm -hmm. cap on pay. There's a cap on titles in some cases, like you could argue that you could, yeah, that's, that might not be entirely true, but like, that's it. And then, and then there's this very clear path on how to get it. But with something like entrepreneurship, like there is definitely no cap on the, on income, but there isn't really a cap on what you can go out and do in the world. That's the cool part about it. And so to think about, yeah, what we've achieved is pretty rare, um, you know, across the general population, but as far as like impact and what we could do and how many people we could impact, um, you know, at the institution level, like, you know, we get, you know, there, no one reads journals except for other professors. Like we could get into like <laughs> how they publish, but, um, there are professors that are writing mainstream books, but that's it. Like you just really impact your students and then like your fellow faculty, right? Like that. And like, mm-hmm. and is that who really needs to hear what's, what's going on? Like what the latest study is, is it really a fellow faculty member? It is when it comes to, you know, peer, like, uh, whatever, like to be able to make sure that what, am, what is the word I'm missing? Oh, I'm so out of academia. I can't even, um, peer review. Boom. There review. we go. Yeah. I blocked it out of my brain. Um, yeah, the peer, <laughs> totally get you. the peer review process, totally get keeping up with where the like field is going. But like, what about like application out in the world? Right. And who, you know, could benefit from some of the latest research. So it's the, that kind of stuff. When you start to question, it's like, oh yeah. Um, you know, what are my goals? 
And like, who am I here to help? And maybe it's not just, you know, the 18 year old, you know, you know, going to get a degree, which is still wonderful. And, um, but it's not everything. Right. And I think, you know, the question you asked earlier, and this is a great point, there's, there is something in people that are getting advanced degrees, whether it's a master's, you know, like a terminal master's or a PhD, you asked earlier about, you know, characteristics and skill sets, the ability to achieve that terminal degree in your field to me, there is no better learning process. It's a great point. Then, yep. you know, like then to be that person that can do that because it sets you up to think differently. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, and so I operate on generally on a 90, 10 perspective. So like 90% of the people are going to do X, 10% of the people are going to do Y. I want to be in that 10% that do Y because there's always going to be something different mm. that other people aren't looking Growth. at. Yeah. Well, yep. th that difference in business typically leads to success. Huge, huge. It's a, such a great point. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's what, in my opinion, academics are best at looking at things, but looking at them in a different way and being able to analyze. And if you can teach something, you have to understand it. Yep. To me, in the way that I go about things, I think that perspective is so beneficial and so rare that, you know, when you start talking to people and you have that perspective, I hear over and over, oh, I would have never thought of that. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I know, because you're part of the 90, the 90%. You're the 90%. That's Well, I mean, you know, it's the majority. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, no. But, you know, it's, it's just because I look at things differently because yeah. of my training and my, you know, my experiences. Yeah. And I hear that all the time. Like, Oh, Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. Why didn't I think about it? And I'm like, because you don't have the training to look at things in an mm -hmm. analytical way. Like I have, mm -hmm. you know, like yep. we're just going to look at it two different ways. There's nothing that's wrong cool. with either one. Yep. Oh, I love that. What if you if you could give advice to somebody who is taking this academic route and is like considering starting a new business or maybe someone super early on, what what would be something that you wish you knew as you ventured out to kind of transitioning online? And even if you want to talk about your therapy practice, too, in person. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so <laughs> I didn't prep you on that. I did not. Prep yeah, you on that, but yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, I think, well, I mean, I mentioned the number one thing earlier, like don't quit like I did and have uh, no, yeah. there you go. <laughs> no safety net, backup. safety net. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, but I think the other thing is, um, you know, like, look for something that you love mm. and we all say, Oh, we love teaching. Yeah. But the reality is if you put something on your schedule and you looked at your schedule, you'd probably only be teaching, you know, 10 to 15% of the time. The mm. rest of that 85, 90%, whatever yep. is all the work that comes with all being a professor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so the meetings, yeah. And <laughs> the, you know, the stuff yeah. that really, that's not what you signed up for. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you were going to look for, you know, something that may be a side hustle or what you do in the summer or, what you think like, well, maybe I, I want to do this in the future. So I'm going to try it out now. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say look for something that you're 100% compassionate about and yeah. that that is going to be the thing that you do. So mm. not 85% of your time is going to be spent doing something else, but a hundred percent of your time is going to yeah. be spent yep. doing something you're totally passionate yep. about. Yep. Um, because I found just for my story personally, I don't really care anything about the paperwork process or mm -hmm. the tight ropes or the political, whatever, you know, like I don't care anything about that stuff, obviously. Cause you know, it didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> but what I do care about is teaching and helping people like see the potential in themselves mm. to figure things out um, and helping them think, you know, creatively and intuitively for themselves. So that's the part that I like. Yeah. That's part of what drove, you know, this piece for the coaching is because I can still get that, which I'm a hundred percent passionate about 
um, in that. And, and it's all teaching people how to think differently and, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at problem solving differently, looking at goals and setting Mm -hmm. goals and how that works totally differently than we've learned growing up. I think that's such good advice because that's, yeah, like, like that's, what's cool about starting a business is you can kind of pinpoint, like, what is it about teaching that you like go deeper than that? It's not just the teaching. Is there something about that process or is there some sort of subject? I mean, there's so many different like avenues that you can go, but the idea is that's the thing that becomes the hundred percent. Like that's the focus. And how can you build a business around the thing that you enjoy to do? Like, what is, what is that? look like and then also just to like add like footnote um you know turn to the bottom of the whatever so, <laughs> you know the academic show's got to have footnotes no um but the footnote to that is like and remember it doesn't have to be what it's going to be forever either so like business changes right. pretty quickly and so as an in for your business what could that look like as those first steps towards yeah getting someone to give you money for what you know what could it be and then when you start building revenue and, you know, you, it, this starts to grow. And what I loved about starting a business as a professor is like, I just dumped a lot of my money back in. So because I wasn't dependent on it, right, I because I had the salary, and so you can kind of put money back in strategically. So knowing that what just gets what just gets the ball going or like the ball, like moving forward, right? Like what keeps mm-hmm. it? That's, that's where you want to focus. And um, so yeah, I think I think that's great, great, great advice. It's just like dissertation Thanks. writing, right? You better pick a subject that you like because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, right? We could probably spend two hours on that. I better not connect those two because no one's going to want to start a business if they think yeah, that's Yeah, no, the it's same. totally not the same at all. Uh, well, I mean, it kind of is. It can be. It can be. It, it kind of <laughs> is when it's like, when it's like the worst time ever, you know, when yeah. occasionally you'll have those moments where yeah. it's like, oh, come on, like, can I do this right? Well, none of it's wrong, you know, mm, but if you were yeah. turning it in for something like, yeah, you may get criticized for that. But yep. it's just it's you getting your stuff out and you figuring out how you want to show up in the world in a way that feels good to you, because in the academic environment, you don't get that choice. Nope. Yeah. You show up and how you're told, per- where yep. you're told, when yep. you're told, you know, and do whatever you're told. Yep. Because you so, have to pass, right? Like you have to get a exactly. passing grade and there's someone literally judging your work. Um, yeah. And that's a great point. And in business, I guess, whatever, the judge may or may not be like how much revenue, right? Are people paying for it, right? You could be like, oh, it's right. working or it's not. But it's not. I love that you're bringing this up because this was a realization I had recently too. It's like... I think in academia, it's like we had these levels, right? So at, at first we'd have one class and then the professor would give us a grade and then we had another class and professor would give us a grade and then we might have had quals like and then we had and then we had a proposal. And then so there's all these steps and then there's someone saying, great, you did it. And they gave you whatever the stamp of approval. Uh, that doesn't happen in business. There's no one running around being like, yay, you got your first client. I mean, sometimes yes, but then it's like, there's no like, oh, maybe you hit six figures is something like lots of people talk about, like making their first hundred K, which is awesome. Or maybe it's like your first 5,000 or $10,000 month. We do have these like benchmarks in business, but it's kind of arbitrary. (laughs) At least that's, and, and so I had a, I had trouble with that. And so what I realized with all these interviews myself is I'm like, oh, wait, like no one's going to hand me a certificate that was like, yay, you're great at business. And I was like, like, (laughs) oh yeah. Like I spent my whole career looking for external validation that I was quote unquote doing exactly. right? Right. And, um, and business is not that. So that's another weird academic thing I've had to unlearn. And I think a lot of us get into research and education because it's like, you know, well, why wouldn't I get a, a PhD? Like, why wouldn't I go to the top? I was always told I'm smart, right? And it's like proving it yes. to ourselves through these other people. So business, not so much. Like, you know, obviously going bankrupt or something like that, but even still, right? Like you can go bankrupt and you start again because it's not about you like solely, are you smart enough? Are you good enough? It's like, you know, the market and like, you know, I mean, there's so many different factors. So that was a huge realization I had the, uh, external validation that I was looking for as a student, um, kind of trickled into entrepreneurship, like, you know, uh, that there is no 
end. Like literally there's no end. Um, and am I okay with that? Right? Like, am I okay with, I, I haven't made it. And I think it's getting to the point where you feel like you made it, which, you know, I think that's part of like the human, whatever path, but, but generally speaking, I think for academics, it's very clear. Um, so it has to be deeper and there has to be more fulfillment. And so that happens also in business. No one's going to run around and give you the like PhD in business, unfortunately. Well, I mean, that exists, but well, I mean, I guess you can get it, but (laughs) that's a real Um, thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I would, but yes, I know right. what you mean. Um, yeah. but I think for me, I guess going through everything and then, um, you know, getting to that point where I thought I was in my dream job and like totally having the carpet ripped out from under me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point I had been so beaten up by everything, like from grad school to that position. Um, I had failed my licensure test three times and finally passed on the fourth time. And like, I'm horrible at taking tests. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's just the way it was, but I had never failed at anything until that ever, you know? So it was like all of a sudden, there was no external validation for that. You know, like nope. I didn't get that pretty password on my, mm-hmm. <laughs> on my letter. It was a big fail. Um, in yeah. that, you know, like I think at that point is where it turned off for me. Mm, like I didn't need that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and really, and we could have like a whole nother hour on this, um, <laughs> like the failure, if I hadn't failed then and pulled myself through that, I would have never had the confidence to basically give them the middle finger at the prison and say, I'm done because I had already failed and felt so miserable and then pulled myself out of it that I was like, okay, well the worst I'll do is fail and then I'll just go work for somebody else. You know, not a big deal. Um, But that external validation is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that's probably one thing that, would be if I had to classify it as a drawback for academics because Uh we're Uh taught like you have to do this and you need this certificate and you know on the way to tenure you need x amount of research and x amount of this and x amount of this and you know you can't be anybody quote unquote if you don't have tenure and Mm. you know like how are you going to get a job at XYZ university if you aren't going to go tenure track like why would you even do that and you know so all of these bad messages again. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think at some point for me, especially not needing that was so freeing. There was so much freedom in that. And I like that I can show up in my business, how I want to show up. Mm, You know, if mm -hmm. I want to say whatever I want to say, I say it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, real academic freedom is how I'm like naming it too. Right. Like you get to do, you get to actually do what you, yeah. Right. And I did, you know, did I have some conversations with some superiors? Yeah, I did because I said what I wanted to say when I was teaching Mm -hmm. and it was real, Mm -hmm. but they didn't want it to be that real. (laughs) Right. Like that's a little, too real. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't want totally. to scare our students. I remember when I was teaching too, I would do some out of the box stuff and my students would be like, we got your back. Don't worry. Well, like my students, they'd That's be like, nice. we'll go and fight for you. If someone's saying this about your teaching style or something. And I'm like, well, you know, you guys are the ones that matter. Um, as, you know, as, as far as I look at it and there's just mm-hmm. some old ways of doing stuff that still are around. And, um, yeah. So, you know, got to have those people on your side. That's always a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, for me, and this is my story from probably when I was a little kid, but I never really follow the rules. So mm, yeah. there was always this, um, <laughs> those kind of people tend to be on my podcast. Yeah. There's a theme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I think in order to make this jump, you kind of yeah. have to be that way, you know, and exactly. You don't like, I didn't ever quite fit mm-hmm. anywhere. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I wasn't ever really like a hundred percent on board at any of the colleges or universities or wherever I taught because I didn't want to toe the line. I wasn't okay with some things and I spoke up, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't ever okay with a lot of things when I was a school counselor and you know that (laughs) I could only imagine. Yeah. yeah, That's a whole other side of the school system. Thankfully grad school saved me. Um, but I also wasn't ever okay with stuff at grad school and Mm -hmm. you know, so like 
I used to say my mouth got me in trouble all the time. And it does. But the other side of that is my mouth has really like put me in a position where I can actually help people Ah, like on a very larger scale, you know, like I, you know, I can, I was talking to this new potential client last night, you know, and she wants to work with all these people and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if that could work, then I'm not doing the work to help those people but I kind of did some of the foundational work to help her help those people. There you go. You know, so that becomes much larger. The ripple, and, the ripple effect yeah, and the impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. changing the world to be a better place, which, yeah. you know, is like a pie in the sky dream. But I really think every single one of us can make that difference. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's just for me. <laughs> I think I fit best in business. Um, And I think that most of the lessons that I learned in academics and in academia um, prepared me for that. Yeah. You know, which is why I was so excited when you were talking like, oh, yeah, I used to be a professor. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's finally, you know, like it's finally time I met somebody like me that was seeing this. And then, you know, you were mentioning your podcast and I was like, Whoa, there are a ton of people like there me. Are. This is really yeah. cool. Isn't that you know? fun? And, yeah. and there's even more, you know, there is. And I think- there's, <laughs> there's more in the future. People listening, this audience will be ginormous and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it's true. Like, yeah, it's true. There are a lot. And I think I started to notice those patterns, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, because I kind of came on the scene once I realized I was doing uh, like courses. It was like, oh, I'm a professor. Like some of these people online are just like marketers. Like I actually know how to teach. So like I was outwardly like talking about my degree, but I have talked to a couple academics, um, even like, you know, inside conversations at that event specifically, because that actually, by the way, Ashley was the first event where I was like, oh, I have a podcast. And this, <gasps> yeah. So like my podcast, like as an idea was, you know, end of September or whatever. And then the execution and getting it, you know, launched and, and I started interviewing and stuff. But that was like the first public, like, you know, event with other entrepreneurs where I was like, oh, yeah, like I have a I'm a podcast host of this kind nice. of podcast. And so people coming up to me were like, you know, I never really told people I had um, a PhD or like and so that's interesting too is like some people not referring to themselves as doctor um, but and even if they did like you know there was this weird like oh yeah I have this whole history where I'm an adjunct professor and it's like people started telling me that because I was kind Mm -hmm. of publicly a professor. Um, and so then that's what really started this conversation. And and then I started to realize like, Oh man, like adjuncts would be so amazing to help like have side incomes and not become dependent on the institution and stuff like that. But it took a while, but they were out there. And then once I kind of announced it, it's like, all of a sudden people are tagging. They're like, you know, family members who are trying to exit the Academy or, or people who've been going after the full-time job for 10 or 15 years. And they're just like, maybe this is it. Like maybe I should cash in my chips and, and, and like do something else. Um, so I'm having a lot of those conversations too, but it's true. We're hiding a little bit. And I think it's just because we're not realizing how much it matters. Like, um, like just even talking about what our skill set, like how it's different and like what, what grad school, like what that experience was like, and just having those kind of common backgrounds and, um, and mindset and like just thinking through that stuff. I mean, that's literally why I made this so I can just talk to people about it. Cause I was like, I can't be the only one who's thinking about this or feeling this way or questioning or, you know, all of that. So, um, so yeah, so Ashley, I would love, uh, to have people connect with you online. So where are you hanging out right now? Awesome. So my website is drashleyhampton.com. So D R A S H L E Y H a-M-P-T-O-N.com. Um, I am on Facebook. Just It's just mm-hmm. Dr. Ashley Hampton pretty much <laughs> on everything. On Facebook. Um, Perfect. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, although I'm not super huge on Pinterest because 
I just get on there and it makes me hungry. Um, I know, right? Yeah, so <laughs> it makes me hungry and also makes me want to buy lots of things. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't do much yeah. on Pinterest because of that. Um, but yeah, I, I try and do a little social media um, website yeah. and, um, you know, here and there. Uh, mostly social media, I guess, would be the best way. Um, dipping my toe into the podcast world. Thanks to you. Nice. Ooh, get it. It's so fun. And if you have any questions about like workflows, cause there's obviously a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm yeah, like happy awesome. to share all of that. All I've done. Yeah, of course. Great. So yeah, we'll, we'll link to the show notes, all your Thank various you. channels that people can get to know you. Um, it's just been such a pleasure. I feel like, yeah, this might be, this will be like a three hour episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, I love it. Like I, these are the things I like talking about. Um, and just like, I could go off like all day and yes. so just hearing your experience and, um, you know, your journey, uh, is just really inspiring. And so I just wanted to thank say you. thank you for sharing yourself with my audience. Yeah. Thank you. I could have talked like you all day. Uh, we'll just have to have I mean, you come back fun. on again. We'll have to do a oh. theme or something, right? Oh yeah. That'd be yeah. amazing. That would be um, fun. It's nice to find people that are like you. And, you know, for so many years, like I was saying, I never quite connected with people. It was always like just a little bit, you know, whatever we were in together, you know, that was the connection. And so, um, the academic slash entrepreneur, I think right? is kind of like my golden ticket. So, so it's been amazing being here. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome, Ashley. Well, thank you. And we look forward to having you on again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.